guys. Hang in there. with the rock so hey guys it's jim with crawfordology and uh boy i don't know about the rest of you but i was a little disturbed today to hear that uh that the rock had endorsed biden harris i thought man you know what's happened to the rock he's kind of a self-made man and now he's given in to the socialist and there's probably a lot going on here so before we get started with that, let me just start out. I'm Jim Crawford, and you are watching Crawfordology. If you haven't done it already, like, share, click on us, put it around the internet. You know, it's tough when you have any conservative ideas to get them out here on the internet. Hey, let's go straight to the uh, the video here. So what we're going to, I'm going to give you a little he heads up. There's about seven minutes and 32 seconds. All right. So I'm, I'm sorry. The sound will be good. Um Here's what we're going to do. We're going to let Rock. Now, I may interrupt him and I may add some things along the way. And I'm sorry for that, Rock. But uh, come on, man. Come on. So here we go. Happy Sunday, everybody. We are approximately five weeks away from Election Day, arguably the most critical election our country has seen in decades. Now, that said, I'm going to be pushing this political conversation uh, just a little bit more now. You know, look, I've got friends in all parties, but the one thing that we can always agree on is the conversation and the dialogue and where that conversation lands is always the most critical part. Now, this is something that I've certainly not done in the past, so I'm going to go big. <laughs> you guys know me. If I go, I go big. So, guys, I had the opportunity to sit down with Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris to talk about a number of important issues that we're facing as a country. I thought it was a great and extremely productive conversation that we had. And as a registered independent for years now with centrist, centrist excuse me, ideologies, I do feel that Vice President Biden and Senator Harris are the best choice to lead our country. And I am endorsing them to become president and vice president of our United States. Okay, wait, I just have to pause here for a second. Don't you wish these guys would just do their Hollywood job? I really do. I mean, I, I guess I'm no different. They're, they are they are using their pulpit to get out and kind of talk about things they care about. But if you've been watching and paying attention for the last couple of years, Dwayne Johnson has been dabbling or threatening to dabble in politics. Mark my words, this is the first move. Now, watch when we get into the interview. You're going to notice his name shifts from... Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, it's going to be DJ. So I'm going to let him go on. You know, this past January, approximately nine months ago, my old man died. And I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him. But he always said that respect is given when it's earned. So you got to get out there and you got to earn it with your own two hands. And that was my very first question to Vice President Biden and Senator Harris. And that question is how will you earn the respect of the American people once you're inside the White House? 
is that conversation. Now wait here too. So his first question, how will you earn the respect of the American people once you're in the White House? Now let me just ask you this question, DJ. After 51 years in Washington, D.C., do you think Biden is going to become overnight more respectable? Do you think that Kamala Harris, who's been this, uh, this Kamala, Kamala, whatever, um, who's been a, a basic bureaucrat power grabber from day one is going to suddenly get respectable? Well, let's, let's watch this little interlude for as long as I can take it. Hey. Hi. Hey, guys. I, I got to tell you, well, it, it is so good seeing you guys. Uh, Senator Harris, it's a pleasure to finally see you and finally meet you. Thank you. It is a pleasure to see you. I'm a huge fan of everything from Fast and Furious, all of them, to Jumanji. So thank you for your work. <laughs> thank you so much. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for your work. Um, let me start off by saying, guys, I've been a Nice social time. distancing between the candidates. To have been part of and participated in some real defining moments. And I have never publicly endorsed a presidential candidate or a vice presidential candidate um, in my life, over my career. So I figured let's kick this conversation off this way by me officially uh, publicly endorsing you both uh, to become president and vice president of our great country. Thank oh, you. that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's means a great incredible. deal, for real. Thank really. you. Really. Thank you. You guys are, are, are both obviously experienced to lead. You've done great things. Joe, you've had such an incredible career. You, you've led, in my opinion, with great compassion and, and heart and drive. By the way, wasn't it kind of awkward that he, he said in the interlude, you know, kind of the opener, hey, I had this conversation. After this conversation, I decided they're the best but did you notice how he actually endorsed them right off the bat? I mean, the very beginning of the conversation, it was almost like saying, hey, I'm only giving you guys softballs. I'm going to lead you down the path. And if you're impressed by Joe Biden, I, it, you know, it, you're not a hard guy to impress. Uh, but also soul. And you and I talked about that in the past and how important soul is. And uh, Kamala, I'm going to embarrass you just for a little bit because I'm going to talk a little bit about your uh, your amazing experience, and you have been an attorney, a district attorney, a state attorney, a uh, U.S. senator, smart, tough. I've seen you in those hearings, and um, in, in my opinion, you are a certified badass. I am honored, and thank you for that. That's a huge compliment from you. <laughs> You're welcome. What a huge compliment from you. you with your, that's, what, that's what the vice president should do. And, and earning respect that our parents have taught us. My dad always said, respect is given when it's earned. A uh, question I had is, how will the both of you earn the respect of all the American people once you're in that White House? By doing what we say we're gonna do, by keeping our word, by leveling with the American people, by taking responsibility. When we fail, acknowledge it. We're not gonna be perfect, to be, but take responsibility. Say, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I believe. Like Burisma. That sounds so basic. But the American people are strong. They're tough. They can take anything if you level with them and tell the truth. And one of the ways we're going to do it is demonstrate we mean what we say. 
Our administration, DJ, is going to look like America. It's going to be representative of all of America. Absolutely, Kamala. How, how, do you, how do you feel? How do we earn it? How do we earn it with our own two hands? Well, you know, to your point, DJ, I'm, it, so uh, it's about trust, right? And DJ. As you know, the nature of trust is that, like Joe was saying, and, and you've said, it's a reciprocal relationship. You give and you receive trust. Yes. And one of the foundations of trust is truth. You must speak truth, but here's the reality. Truth can sometimes be really difficult to hear. And for that reason, sometimes people don't speak it. But you mm -hmm. cannot have trust if you don't speak truth. You know that as a parent. We know that as parents. You have to speak truth. And as long as there is an understanding that it is being spoken not to confront, not to... Okay, I want to do a flash poll right now in the comments section. If you have not changed your mind on who you're going to vote for, just type in the word no. If you have... We'll see you next week. But to deal with things the way they must be handled, I think that's, that has to be part of the core of, of, of what we do as we go forward. Because to your point, we're facing as a country so many challenges, and people are grieving. I mean, people are grieving the loss of life, the loss of jobs, the loss of certainty, the loss of normalcy. And to heal and get through this, we're going to have to be honest about what healing will require. Yes. And that's one of the things that Joe and I really do have in common, which is we're motivated by healing, but we know to do that, we have to be honest about what it's going to take. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and, and to that point, when you're honest with a scenario, and people who you care about. And obviously we, you guys, all of us care deeply about our American people. Um, that, when you, you mentioned the word decency, you mentioned, you mentioned the word respect and honesty, dealing with this, but it's also, it leads right into making progress, but through a humanity and how important that progress is, but through humanity. And, and, um, and thank you for saying that. Truth and progress through humanity. I like the tie-in there of what Vice President Biden and Senator Harris said about truth. Because as we all seek the truth, and as we all want to do our best to speak truthfully to each other, uh, it, it's not to confront, it's not to hurt, um, but it's to make progress. And you know, to me, there's a lot of ways that we as a human race can make progress. But the most powerful way for us to make progress, to me, is through humanity, is through decency, progress through humanity, progress through decency, through equality, progress through kindness, because kindness matters. I appreciate you guys joining me in this conversation here, and there is much more to come. All right, and there we go. Enough of uh, enough of the rock. Now, here's my question to you: is and, and my my warning to you. You can bet that you're going to be seeing the rock. Um, on social media nonstop. So one way you can send him a message is if you do follow him on Facebook or Instagram, unfollow him, send him a message that you're doing it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's true. He has a, a, a bully pulpit here that he can talk from and, and he can, you know, he's an articulate guy. He's going to make some emotional pleas, but these aren't really sound 
reasons or, or rational. Um, you know, it would be great if uh, if all of these things that that the leftist uh, leaning folks seem to believe in really worked in reality, but it doesn't work in execution because you have to work to, to pay your way, to carry your weight. There's no magical government checkbook that can write checks that never have to be, uh, well, I guess there sort of is in the U.S., but uh, normally you do have to cover the check one day. And one day we, even the U.S., will have to cover the checks we've been writing. And as you know, trillions of dollars in, in deficit spending are, are not going to make a fix long term. So go to The Rock social media, unlike, send them a message, tell them you don't like this, because I will bet you there's already two or three other movies um, or other videos like this that he's put out all in support of, um, of Biden-Harris. And they are very careful at how they're, they're measuring this, you, you know, what they're focused on, and just how... Uh, they are trying to push these things at, at these areas that the independent voters, that the undecided voters are really attracted to. So you can see here he talks about trust. He talks about progress. He talks about decency. No one's against any of those things, including Donald Trump. But I think what he's realized is that the swamp in Washington has so much BS that swirls around. He's able to cut through that and get some things done. Hey, we did go to the Newport News, Virginia um, Trump rally. I'll just tell you, it was a great night. Very positive. Uh, later this week, maybe tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to read a letter that came from one of the law enforcement folks um, that sort of compares the difference between the Antifa folks who were there. Lots of Antifa, Black Lives Matter. Uh, they're basically just yelling, screaming, spitting, cursing. Um, if you can think of the most vile sorts of discussion, that's what they were having. Meanwhile, there were thousands of Trump supporters, an incredibly diverse group, black, white, Asian, uh, Hispanic. I mean, there was really just about, it was, it was a melting pot of people. Several thousand folks, all peaceful, all doing their thing, coming out to see the president and the vice president and some of our state officials come and talk. It was a great time. It lasted till about midnight. Police were out till about midnight uh, trying to get the Antifa Black Lives Matter folks back, um, you know, calm down and settled down. But it was a really great night. So back to The Rock, you know, look, he, he, he goes by The Rock. He doesn't go by the genius. If he went by the genius, maybe we could be harder on him. He says he's the rock. So, so let's just accept that. Let's accept that means more than just muscle. It might also be in mental capacity. Hey, look, I want to go right into an article from The Hill today. Um, not today. An article from The Hill. Um, yeah, actually today. And the, the, um, the question is, when will Basement Biden get in the game? And right now, you know, Biden has been doing very well by not running against Trump, just staying hidden and allowing the media to do his, his bidding. He's been, this is the biggest proxy campaign I've ever seen. Have we seen much at all about uh, the millions of dollars tied back to Hunter Biden and the contract with the Russian company? Hardly hear a word about it. I, I don't think I've heard a single thing other than when I've sought it out. In conservative media. Um, what I have heard about is how Trump is uh, trying to ruin, ruin the country uh, by appointing 
you know, doing his his uh, constitutionally uh, appointed duty as president to appoint this uh, this judge, and we have Biden and his ilk <clears throat> saying from afar. Of course, we'll see on Tuesday night at the at the uh, debate what happens. But there's really not a lot of excitement around this. Just kind of some crazy stuff. Speaking of this, this is going to be exciting when we go to the debate. So debate, I just want to run down through. We're going to be broadcasting live um, on September 29th, Tuesday. Um, this will be fun. I think we're going to have some guests in the studio. We're just going to do kind of what we what we do, although we're back in the studio. We haven't been there for a while. Um First one, September 29th. Then we've got the vice presidential debate, October 7th, the 15th, the second presidential debate, and then the last presidential debate, October 22nd. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, can Biden really stand up to the, you know, a pretty tough debater? The president did, you know, he took out every Republican in the primary, like uh, like nothing. So, how's he going to deal with Biden? I'm curious to see. Does Biden have the mental capacity to uh, to really get in there and 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 have a lengthy conversation? I'd I'd love to see the Rogan uh, debate. That would be terrific. So, listen. Leading up to the to this debate, we're going to talk about something that's sure to be an issue. I've I've come to. Um, the Biden plan for strengthening worker organizing, collective bargaining, and unions. Now, I was a union member myself. I was a, a member of Carpenters Union, local number two in Cincinnati, um, for a while. Just, uh, but I want to share. So, I, I don't have any axe to grind about unions. You know, some folks feel that a union is the way to go. <clears throat> um, I think they're probably outdated and antiquated. Um, you have other alternatives now. There are tremendous labor laws that didn't exist in the past. There are lots of other things that um, the worker has that they didn't have at the turn of the last century. So, so are unions really important? Well, they're important to the Democrats because most of the unions take some dues. There's checkoff dues every member pays that go back to the unions and those unions collect that money and they spend it with Democrat candidates. So, of course, they're pretty important to the Democrats. We've had around the country here in Virginia, for example, we had a um, we had a situation where we had the right to work state and Ralph Northam and his group trying to roll all those things back. Um, I haven't tracked that closely. I believe I believe they did reverse many of those laws. So what we have to uh, what we have to look at here is this discussion leads down. And if I took you through this, this is right from their campaign website. Um, If I took you down through here, you would see it gets into the minimum wage law. Now, the minimum wage, I want to share one more video with you tonight that I think is really important to see a little bit tough to watch because it's from it's from the 90s. Um, there's a guy named Milton Friedman. Now, Milton Friedman won the Nobel Prize for Economics. He was he was apolitical, but he was one of the guys while Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and the and 
Pope John Paul were fighting communism. He was explaining the economics to people like Fidel Castro, to some of the juntas down in South America, who would call him and say, hey, would you come and help us get our economy together? And he would say, yes, I'll come. But on this condition, I get to be honest with you. I get to talk to you about free markets. I get to tell you why this makes sense. So Milton Friedman, great economist, a really fantastic guy and and very entertaining. I'm not going to show you the grainy footage. So what I'm going to do, this is about two minutes and 25 seconds. It is it is worth the listen. I'm just going to let him talk and we will uh, we will hear. I mean, one thing that a minimum wage would do would be to reduce the number of people who receive a positive income from working. Those people who were kept in employment would have a higher income. But let me look at it in a different way. Look at it from an overall point of view. The higher minimum wage will lead to people being unemployed. I think everybody will agree on that. All people say is, oh, well, the number would be small, and that's offset by the advantage of those who are still employed. However, by decreasing the number employed, do you increase or decrease the total pie? Do you have more to distribute to everybody in the country if more people are employed or if fewer people are employed? Obviously, you have more to distribute if more people are employed. They produce more. These low-wage people who are driven into unemployment by a, a rise in the minimum wage don't produce what they otherwise would have produced. So the total pie is smaller. Now, how can that on net be an advantage? Uh, there's a great deal of nonsense talked about the minimum wage. If raising the minimum wage from 425 to 515 is a good idea, why not the $10? Why are you so mean and nasty that you don't want people to have $10 now? <laughs> it's countered by saying, oh, well, a little is good, but a lot would be bad. Now, I don't understand the logic of that. If a lot is bad, then there's a little is bad. It's all in the same direction. It doesn't change direction. And the people who are employed at the minimum wage today are predominantly teenagers, secondary earners, people who are working part-time. It's a very small fraction of the population that's employed at the low wage. Why do we have a minimum wage? It's very easy to see. The trade unions want to reduce the amount of competition. We have a minimum wage for the same reason we have tariffs, an attempt to reduce competition. And that interest is concentrated politically powerful. The interest of these poor suckers at the bottom who are going to lose their jobs, they don't have much political power, and they can't counter on it. And by using this high-sounding language, the trade union people get people like you, who have the best of intentions, to support their special interest. So there you hear it from, uh, from the man himself, and he was absolutely a, uh, a genius in economics, so I, I have uh, I have no, nothing else to say. But when you see the the debate this week, you can guarantee that over these next three, and certainly in the vice presidential debate, there's going to be a discussion about minimum wage, and they are going to try to shame the conservatives and change the Republicans for not understanding how to. Uh, you know how to do this how how is it you can't pay those workers at the drive through $25 an hour um and i think what what you'll understand with friedman is he's saying those jobs aren't intended one to be your long time forever career um for two 
it, it's the way the market works. If you're only willing to learn a skill set that that doesn't have a lot of time tied to it, you didn't have to go to a trade school or a university, then then the wages you'll earn from that, because it has a low barrier to entry, there are lots of people who can fill that who can fill that job. Therefore, if there's a large supply, all those people are willing to work for different different. Uh, hourly rates, and that tends to suppress the wage rate. If you take something that's very specific, very specialized, you know, nuclear physics, there's a, a narrow amount of people. Also, not a lot of jobs in that space, I'm sure, but it's a narrow job, and you have much higher wages. So your your wage will always tie back to the amount of training and time and effort elbow grease, whatever it is. If you're perfecting your craft as a carpenter, if you become the best carpenter, you'll you'll get better rates than the guy who just started. If you're a great painter, you'll get better rates than the gal who just started. It's just the way economics works. And it doesn't matter what the government tries to do to interfere because all they can do is destroy the economy when they try to get in the way of that silent hand. And that's just our own sense of reasoning where we say, I'm not going to pay for that. I'm not paying 15 bucks for, for that hamburger. So, you know, keep that in mind as you listen to the Democrats. We'll talk about some of the other things that come in. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting time Tuesday night. Hope you'll join us. We can't wait. Normally, I would go to the comments at this time. However, I'm going to tell you, you guys are so fired up about The Rock. You're going to have to go read the comments yourself. I would blush and turn red if I read them. But more importantly, uh, we're a we're a child friendly, family friendly show, so I'm not going to read them, but they're there. <laughs> they're there for you to read. Hey, hope you guys have a great night. Like I said at the beginning, if you haven't already, like, share our page, share our post, and and share with a friend. If you are really in support of the president, we are getting down into the the time where we're almost out of time to register to vote. So if you haven't registered. Get out and register tomorrow. Make it a point. Put it down on the calendar. Tape it to the fridge. Make sure it's the first thing you do tomorrow so that you can vote because I can guarantee in Chicago, there's going to be dead people voting. Thanks. You guys have a great night. We'll see you soon.